Hey, thanks a lot for listening to this program, Chris Fabry Live. I want to let you know that in the program, you're going to hear music that we've had to edit out for uh, copyright reasons and restrictions. We cannot play those songs for you. So thank you for understanding. I need your help today at the Radio Backyard Fence. Your story may encourage somebody who's listening. It might be just the thing they need to hear to turn them around. I want you to tell a story about your life today as I tell a story about a song. I found it fascinating. And then after you hear that story of the song, I'm going to ask you to call me and tell me when the shepherd found you, when the good shepherd pursued you, you had wandered and he found you. Who was the person God used to reach, rescue you? In a sense, the question is, who turned their lifeboat around for you? (laughs) That's on the agenda today at the Radio Backyard Fence. Here's the number, 877-548-3675. Let me thank our team, Ryan McConaughey, doing all things technical. Trisha is our producer. Gabby T is in the chair today. Laurel will be answering your calls. And since it's Friday, that's right, it's time for the fabulous Fabry Friday Psy. Here's what it does. One, we oxygenate your blood. Two, we get your endorphins going. Three, we raise your serotonin level. Four, we promote lymphatic drainage. And five, we stimulate your parasympathetic system. That's why we call it the five lung languages. We also stimulate your vagus nerve. We help you release acetylcholine. And don't forget what it does to cortisol dissipation. Take in four seconds of air through your nose right now. Hold it four seconds. And then as you release that air through your mouth, push on the left side of your rib cage to get rid of all that bad carbon dioxide. Today, I want to give a birthday sigh for my father, who was born February 16, 1920. He would have been 104 today. Maybe you have a parent or a loved one who has a birthday, and you don't know how to celebrate all these years later. Maybe it's enough to just remember and mention them to someone. Give a sigh today for spring. It's on its way. I can feel it. New growth, new life. Give a sigh for all those things you have to do this weekend, something to fix, somebody to pick up, some duty you've been putting off. Give thanks for the things done and undone. It means you're alive, friend. The fabulous Fabry Friday Sigh is brought to you by the Sigh Society of Sausalito. All rights reserved. Void where prohibited. I've heard the song The Ninety and Nine referenced for decades, and I knew it was about a shepherd looking for a lost sheep. Jesus tells in Luke 15 this parable about a man who has a hundred sheep but goes for looking for the one that's missing. And this is where he says that there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't need repentance. So I'm going through Ron Hutchcraft's book, A Life That Matters, and he mentions this song, The Ninety and Nine, and he concludes one chapter by saying, The spiritual rescue mission to which Jesus has summoned you is not without its struggles and not without its price. And then he gives the text to the song, The Ninety and Nine. The writer of that poem was Elizabeth Clefane, born in 1830 in Scotland. That was a long time ago. She was described by her sister as a very quiet little child, shrinking from notice and always absorbed in books. Her love for poetry was a passion. She wrote The Ninety and Nine for a friend who had it published in The Children's Hour. It was copied into various publications, but was comparatively little noticed. Elizabeth died in 1869. 
If my math is correct, she was 39 years old. So how do we know this song today? It begins, There were ninety and nine that safely lay in the shelter of the fold, but one was out on the hills away, far off from the gates of gold, away on the mountains, wild and bare, away from the tender shepherd's care. And the rest of the song is about the rescue mission that the shepherd goes on, going for the one, risking for the one. Were you ever that one the shepherd searched for? What happened? What was going on in your life? Who did God use to find you? Who risked to bring you into the fold? 877-548-3675 is our number. I want you to tell me, you don't have to tell the whole thing. You can't tell the whole thing. Just tell me a little slice of your story about when you are away. And remember, what you say here today might be exactly what somebody else needs to hear. Like our last caller yesterday, a dad with a daughter who has wandered away from God. Maybe your story will encourage him or somebody else to persevere, to keep on praying, to keep praying and not give up. one 877 I found the story of that song and how it became famous, and it was a few years after Elizabeth died that it was sung, and I'll tell you that story, but let's hear it. I found everyone from Burl Ives to Tennessee Ernie Ford to Bev Shea, Guy Penrod, and the Neelands have a great version. There are so many who have recorded this song, but it's not as well known today. And I wonder why. And I wonder if this is not the kind of song we need to help us understand the shepherd's heart for the one, the lost and wandering sheep, the one you may have on your heart right now. Here's Andrew Peterson's rendition of the 90 and 9. Today's program, titled The 90 and 9, is dedicated to that one that you're thinking about today, that one that you long for the shepherd to go after. And maybe it's dedicated also to the shepherd, because where would we be without the shepherd, right? So I'm asking you to call. Tell me a little bit about your 90 and 9 story. We'll start with uh, Ron in Arkansas. Ron, why did you call today? Well... I just uh, felt led to call and share my story. Um, it's uh, years and years ago, 53 years ago, uh, I was in um, I was in California, and Albie Pearson was a baseball player, professional baseball player for the Los Angeles Angels. And uh, I found myself in Teen Challenge when I was 19 years old, and we had gone to an evening service at a church and Albie Pearson was the guest speaker and he shared his testimony and gave a message. And I had been fighting and fighting, resisting and resisting. And that night I couldn't resist anymore. So I went forward and I haven't been the same since. And I just praise God for Albie Pearson. And I just wanted to include 50 some years went by 
and he had moved to Arkansas. I had moved to Washington State and then Arkansas six years ago. And my wife was at a women's conference in northern Arkansas and just happened to overhear a lady mention his name. And she, it's not a real common name, so she went over and asked her, did you just did you just say Albie Pearson, the baseball player? She said, yeah, I, I know him uh, very well. He's, he's a dear friend of ours. We're involved in his ministries. So long story short, I got to meet him. I got to go. My wife and I got to talk to him on the phone first, and then we, we went to his home and met him and his wife and his daughter and spent a couple glorious hours and I got to uh, with him in his home, and, and I got to um, just thank him for his faithfulness to Jesus. And, and I got to explain to him how much he meant to me, Albie, but yeah. more so Jesus. <laughs> well, and at 19, anyway, it was you a know, so- God thing. Yeah, so so vulnerable, and you said that you know it was, was kind of hard. You were fighting, you're fighting, and Albie was the last link in that chain that you said, "No, I've got to do this." That's a great story, Ron. And I'm glad that you got to to meet him as well. So there's there's our first story. God used Albie, the professional baseball player, to go out into the uh, into the desert or into the 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 wide ranging places and speak in such a way that Ron responded. How about you? Kimberly in Chicago. Kimberly, why did you call? Taking a lot of courage here, but I'm gonna speak on behalf of our Lord because I was probably fourth grade, a long time ago. I was sharing plans to run away with a friend as we walked down the street and a stranger approached us. And he asked if I knew who God was. And he told me how much God is pleased with me as his creation. And wouldn't you know, he cited the verse about being adopted, Ephesians 1.5. And this was not the God that I knew that I was learning about. In my home with two parents um, that would have drunk fights every night that we lay in bed. We were scared. It was a tough neighborhood. I was not feeling loved. My friend ran off at this point, but I was intrigued because it was like everything else around us was frozen in time. And he went on to explain that Jesus, God's son, was made a sacrifice for my life. And everything I had done to be ashamed of, he would wipe clean. And all I had to do was ask. And I thought, wow, I must have looked pretty guilty. And suddenly I was embarrassed and maybe even blushing. And he went on to say, God already knows everything. And I was relieved. We didn't have to discuss it. (laughs) And he said that God still loves me, that he's waiting for me to accept his invitation. Of course, I was confused about all of this at this point. And he must have read my mind because next he said, do you know how he knows? And I said, "Um, no, thinking that that would be like magic or something. And it was a scary thought since I've been kind of a scavenger. I've lied. I've stolen. And by now, I've even smoked my first cigarette. 
he explained to me that God has x-ray vision and he can see what's in your heart. And I remember thinking, wow. And then I jumped to the thought, who would want to see my dark heart? And I thought it had all turned black from the cigarette I smoked and the lies I've told. So I asked a question that I didn't understand how profound it was until I got older. And I said, does he see it in the dark? And the man chuckled with such great amusement that it even made me smile. And he simply said without judgment, yes, God is always able to see what's in your heart. No matter what time it is, how light or dark it is, if anyone else sees or no matter how far you have tried to run and hide. And I thought at this point, he even knows I'm getting ready to run away. (laughs) And I was wondering if he had x-ray hearing because that's what we were just talking about. And I, I can just recall that conversation and how I walked away from that with a lot to think about. And it shook me up enough that I resolved to make sure from that moment forward, whatever was in my heart would be good and clean. So if God saw in there, he wouldn't be disappointed. So and this man planted, he planted a seed that then grew over time as you, as you understood, because at that point, and, and the other thing is the trauma that you were going through at home made you particularly yeah. vulnerable to, to all of that with all the questions and all the struggle that you were going through, right? Absolutely. And he felt, it felt like, I was talking right to Jesus. It really did. And from that moment forward, you're right. I did question, but it was always in the back of my mind, just this interaction. And I don't know how many people come across those who evangelize to this level, but it was one of the most outstanding, vivid memories that started my faith journey. And it was a a critical point because it changed the trajectory of what I was about to do and every decision that I made from that moment forward, just because he seemed to know things that I didn't even have to speak about. You said it took courage to do this. What did you mean by that? It took me courage to share this story because I, uh, I've been thinking about it lately. It's just, coming back to my heart and I, I, uh, I'm really nervous right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kimberly, you did so well. I'm so glad you, um, oh, thank you. you allowed that urge, you know, to call, to come through because there was somebody who needed to hear your story today. And aren't you glad for those who risk, you know, who will, and, and for some people it is a, a stranger, I had a, a pastor once say that he was at college and there was a piece of paper in the on the ground and he reached down and picked it up and took it back to the dormitory and read it. It was a tract and he read he read that and he gave his life to Christ from that. And you hear people making these uh, just happenstance uh, interactions with people they've never met before and they plant a seed. And then there are times when those people that, care for you, go over a hill and veil, rough and steep to find the sheep. Uh, and, and that third verse, none of the ransomed ever knew how deep were the waters crossed. 
nor how dark was the night that the Lord passed through ere he found his sheep that was lost. For out in the desert he heard its cry, "'Twas sick and helpless and ready to die." Here's our number, 877-548-3675. Maybe it's going to take courage for you. I'd love to hear from somebody who's never called here before. Uh, Lisa is in Florida. Lisa, tell me your story. Yes, hi. Okay, so let me start off by saying my grandfather left us a legacy of knowing Jesus Christ. And he would sit on the front lawn of my mother's house every day and worship and read his Bible. So as far back as I can remember, I knew the Lord. I grew up in the church. Fast forward, um, I, I, in my 30s, no, yeah, 30s, I was running from the Lord for about 20 years. I had a lot of shame and a lot of guilt, and I was condemning myself to hell, literally. Um, I felt I couldn't face the Lord. So... I worked in a dental office for many, many years, a pediatric dental office, and this woman would come into my office for six years. And every time she'd come in, she'd say, Lisa, come to my church. Jesus loves you. Come to my church. And I kept saying, yeah, 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 you know, for six years. One day I couldn't fight the urge, and I went to her church. For three weeks, I sat in there through the entire service, through the entire worship, crying my eyes out like I felt really kind of dumb because like everybody was looking at me but the lord was peeling away peeling at me every layer of shame and guilt that i felt and the condemnation i put upon myself so during that week i called my friend up and i said meet me before work and we sat in the parking lot of our of our job and she said lisa she looked at me in the eyes and she said lisa you have forgotten who you are you are a child of the king and that was a song, like an old song my grandfather used to sing, so that resonated with me. That week, I guess it was the next day, I was getting ready for work, and I ended up flat on my face in the bathroom floor crying out to God. And I was actually mad. And I said, I don't know if I was brave or stupid, but I said to the Lord, either you leave me alone for good or don't ever let me turn my back on you again. I don't know how much time passed. When I got up off that floor, I was transformed. Like I told the woman when I called, like Cinderella, everything just came out of me. And I was redeemed and I was restored. And my life, I mean, I knew the Lord then, but I didn't know him like I knew him then until now. It was a whole different relationship with the Lord. But it took that one person to keep at it and say, Lisa, come to church. Just come. <laughs> And I love it, so Lisa. Now, the way where the you said you were, you felt condemned and there was condemnation yeah. on your life, and that was that was a block. You know, it was a big, huge cavern between you and God. What happened to oh, that condemnation? It, it, when I got off that floor, I knew I was forgiven, and I forgave myself too because I couldn't forgive myself because all I kept thinking was my sins are so bad that if the Lord came. During that time, or if I died, I was sure, sure that I was not going to see heaven or see the, you know, yeah. in the rapture should that happen. What is like the I name knew. of the woman? Yeah. What, did, what did that woman that reached out to you, do you remember her name? Uh, her name was Allie. No, this was in, in New Jersey. I lived in New Jersey then. Okay. Allie. And, yeah. Um, so I don't think she'll hear this. But 
Um, yeah. My life has never been the same, ever. And that's my testimony that I tell everybody that, you know, if you, if you know the Lord, His mercy and grace are there, but you have to accept it. Yes. And receive yeah. that and then, and then get up and believe what he said about you. See, you, you use the phrase, I finally forgave myself. The way that, and I, I understand exactly what you're saying. The way I phrase that is, I finally believed what God said about me instead of what, how I felt about me. Because my, it's not about how I feel. It's about what God believes about me, thinks about me. And I trust him now. When he says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, I believe it. He t- that's how he looks at me, and it, no matter how I feel, I'm going to believe him rather than me. So let me ask you as you listen to Lisa's story there, who are you in that story? Are you Lisa? Maybe you're, as you're listening to me today, you're the grandfather, and you're singing the songs, a child of the king. Maybe you're just being faithful there, or maybe you're Allie. Maybe you know somebody like Lisa in your life, and you want to move toward them, but you're afraid of saying the wrong thing, or you're afraid she's going to ask you a question that you don't know the answer to. Do you hear in her voice what it was to have somebody reach out? The Good Shepherd, I believe, wants you to be his ambassador, And that's why this month we have been giving away Ron Hutchcraft's book, A Life That Matters, making the greatest possible difference with the rest of your life. If there's a stirring in your heart, a stirring in your soul, and you're thinking, I need need to follow him. I want to be his his ambassador. Or maybe you've condemned yourself for a long time. I I didn't say that, and I had the opportunity to. Oh, Read this book. Go through it. I know it will encourage you. It's our thank you this month. Just go to the website. You can find out more at chrisfabrylive.org. It's our thank you right there if you give a gift of any size. Or if you can't give a gift, I want to send it to you as well. Go to chrisfabrylive.org or 866-95-FABRY. More 90 and 9 stories coming up. I hope you're encouraged by today's conversation at the Radio Backyard Fence. I am so grateful for the space to tell these kinds of stories because we live in a very fast-paced, get things done, you know, hither, thither, and yon. And this, in order to do this, you have to kind of slow down. You have to, to listen and you have to think about your own life and hear what God has done in other people's lives. The 90 and 9 is our topic I have a story about technology distracting D.L. Moody. (laughs) Seriously, I found this. I want to tell you about that. But I got to go to Sherry in Florida. Sherry, thank you for calling. Tell me your story. Hello? Yes, Sherry, go right ahead. Hi, how are you? (laughs) I'm doing great. So why did you call? Um, I was listening to your story, and um, and so funny is I was trying to memorize the number that you were telling to call in, and I couldn't remember, and then I did a turn, and God says, this is it, and I checked it on my keypad, and sure enough, it was your number. So 
And while I'm calling you, there's somebody else on the other line that's an enemy that's trying to get through. Uh oh. And I'm like, no, God, it ain't it ain't happening. <laughs> but back in 1996, um, I was not walking with the Lord, and um, I chose a woman's home. I didn't. My co-defendant did, and we broke into her house, and I was um, lost. I didn't have the Lord in my life as I do today, and I'm growing closer and closer. And this woman, Sharon, has been walking with me for 27 years. She's never turned her back on me, and she's the one that found me. And I just believe that God uses circumstances to get his children to come back to him. And um, I love your show, and um, I'm coming up on two years sober, and she's been a part of my life um, for 27 years. And um, with God allowing us to have the relationship that we have today, she was able to bring in... um, search for significance into the um, jail that I was in. I was incarcerated as, um, as my restitution. And um, I did uh, 10 years drug offenders probation successfully. And I stayed um, sober for 10 years and my mother passed away and left me some money, which you just don't do to somebody that's in recovery unless you have, a financial advisor, and um, but um, yesterday I was let go of a part-time job through a through a text, and God really had me listen because I know that He's preparing me for something. I've been planning on writing a book, and I just can't put the pen to the paper. Yeah, well, and, you told um, the story today, Sherry. Look at you. And, and that lady, Sharon, had every reason to write you off, to never want to see you again, to not do have anything to do with you, and she pursued you, didn't she? She did. She, she knew. She knew that I, I needed the Lord in my life and that I wanted him, you know? And if, trust me, I find this living as a Christian is not an easy thing to do because you lose a lot of people in your life, including family. Yeah. And um, I just went and watched The Chosen the other night, and it is so true. It's, it, there, it, there's a lot of division. Yeah. But you know what? I'll, I'm going to be one of those generational curse breakers. Uh-huh. And I, I just remember how much sadness and heartbreak God had when he had to watch his son die. It's nothing compared to what I go through at all. Well, Sherry, you you did a good thing calling here today because there's, I think there's probably somebody listening who has someone like you in their life that they're they're thinking, uh, I'm not going to be but like Sharon and I'm going to pursue them. There's, There's every reason to not to say no to that. But they're going to hear your story. And the struggle, and you're right, it is a struggle. I'm going to pray for you, Father. You know what Sherry's going through here today with the job loss. You know what she's gone through with the alcohol difficulty, the drug difficulty, the incarceration, and all of that. Would you allow your spirit to to show her who she really is? Like Sharon told her, 
that she is your child and she is blood-bought and she's forgiven, she's ransomed, she's been redeemed, and you went out and you took hold of her and you brought her back into the fold. And we thank you for that. Now give her a victory in her life here today, whatever that means with what she's facing. Would you give her that victory that can only come from you? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Sherry, God bless you, friend. Thank you for calling in here today. There, there are other folks on the line. I just want to read you. If you're wondering, well, how did the 90 and 9, if she died in, in 1869 and nobody had, had put that song to music, how did it come about? There was a guy named Ira who went with a fellow named D.L. <laughs> to England, Scotland, and Ireland. This would have been... 1873 or so, and they stayed there for two or three years, traveling around, speaking, you know, singing, having meetings. It was a pretty famous trip. It was a pretty successful, quote-unquote, trip. And Sankey, Iris Sankey, got on a, a train with DL, and they were going, you know, from one, one spot to the next, and he bought a, a paper for a penny, before he got on the train to try to figure out what's going on back in the United States. And he looked through it and he didn't find anything and he threw it in the floor. And then before they reached their destination, I think it was Edinburgh, um, he picked that up again and he looked at the ads and he saw a little poem in the corner and it was by Elizabeth Clefane, the 90 and nine. And this is from the book, my life and the story of the gospel hymns. So impressed was I that I called Mr. Moody's attention to it, and he asked me to read it to him. This I proceeded to do with all the vim and energy at my command. After I had finished, I looked at my friend Moody to see what the effect had been, only to discover that he had not heard a word. (laughs) So absorbed was he in a letter which he had received from Chicago or Chicago. Uh, so this whole thing about technology distracting us happened in 1873, too. <laughs> Sankey writes, My chagrin can be better imagined than described. Notwithstanding this experience, I cut out the poem. I placed it in my musical scrapbook. So the next day, after Moody preached about the Good Shepherd and Dr. Andrew Bonar, I think it was Andrew, Horatius was his um, his older brother, Andrew Bonar spoke after Moody spoke, and Moody stood up and said to Sankey, "Would you sing? Do you have a song? You know, could you sing a song that would fit with our theme today?" (laughs) And here's what Sankey says: At this moment, I seemed to hear a voice saying, "Sing the hymn you found on the train," but I thought this impossible, as no music had ever been written for the hymn. Again, the impression came strongly upon me that I must sing the beautiful and appropriate words I had found the day before, and placing the little newspaper slip on the organ in front of me, I lifted my heart in prayer, asking God to help me so to sing that the people might hear and understand. Laying my hands upon the organ, I struck the key of A flat and began to sing. Note by note, the tune was given which has not been changed from that day to this. As the singing ceased, listen to this, a great sigh seemed to go up from the meeting, 
and I knew that the song had reached the hearts of my Scotch audience. Mr. Moody was greatly moved. Leaving the pulpit, he came down to where I was seated. Leaning over the organ, he looked at the little newspaper slip from which the song had been sung, and with tears in his eyes said, Sankey, where did you get that hymn? I've never heard the like of it in my life. I was also moved to tears, and arose and replied, Mr. Moody, that, that's the hymn I read to you yesterday on the train, which you did not hear. <laughs> Thus, the ninety and nine was born. Ira Sankey says. And that last, that last verse, and all through the mountains, thunder riven, and up the rocky steep, there arose a glad cry to the gate of heaven, rejoice, I have found my sheep. And the angels echoed around the throne, rejoice, for the Lord brings back his own. Doesn't that send chills down your, your spine and through your heart? And doesn't, don't these stories, don't they give us hope that our hope is not in the way that we present to people? It is not, it is not in the eloquence of words. It's the move of God's Spirit that was all over Ira Sankey singing that song and is over you as you reach out to your friend. enemy loves to cloud your mind and your vision and get you to think of all the bad things that you've done to separate you from God and condemn you. And as we've been talking here today, I think of those who may feel that condemnation because of something they've done back there. One of those things that many women especially struggle with, but men as well who have participated, is abortion. And they feel so bad and they feel under the weight of that condemnation because they can't, you know, you cannot make up for this thing back there in your life. And that's why CareNet is there, not just for the, the babies, you know, saving the babies moving forward, but also ministering to those who've gone, who've walked this trail and have such regret and want to receive that kind of forgiveness from God, but they don't, you know, the enemy says you can't be forgiven for, a, for such a bad thing as that, or, you know, and name 50 other things that he will hold over you. you. You can't get forgiveness for that. The love of your heavenly father is so great that he wants to shower, just like when the prodigal came back, give the robe and a ring. I want to forgive you. I want to give you right standing. You're my son. You're my daughter. CareNet does that kind of work very quietly, behind the scenes. If you're a person who has that in your background and it is holding you under the water, you don't have to stay there. Click the green CareNet button at chrisfabrylive.org. Click resources. You'll see some great uh, free available booklets and printed resources and groups and online. It's fantastic. Go to chrisfabrylive.org and click CareNet today. Char has called from Michigan. Char, why did you call me today? Well, I'd like to begin by saying that the kindness of God led me to repentance because I came from a home that was really um, a very negative 
uh, situation because of so many things that my parents had been through. And so I was very withdrawn, very fearful. And one day, someone in our family who I almost never saw invited me to go to church with her. And then I didn't see her for a long time after I went to church with her as well. But I was 12 years old, and I was sitting, I I arrived, and I was sitting in the pew, and the preacher, who just happened to be Jack Van Impey, um, he was on a traveling um, ministry, and he came to that church, and he said in in his talk, he said, God loves you no matter what you have been through. And because I was so withdrawn and fearful and because of my environment and my dad was, he struggled so much because of being in the war. My mom feared life itself and she feared my father. Um, but that environment, it's like, it was like the kindness of God led me Definitely to that church that day because when he said, God bless you, my insides filled up with joy. And I go to tears whenever I talk about my salvation day because God's spirit just flows through me because it is such an exciting experience. Because um, I, it was like when he said that, my insides just jumped for joy and I never felt that joy. And so I thought, who is God? And I didn't even know what a church was. And then I thought, but I can't miss out. And so I couldn't get to the altar fast enough. Hmm. And my life has just been, it has been loaded with storms. But when I look back at my mind's eyes, I see God giving me hope throughout my whole life. And even at a fairly early early age, he gave me that word, hope. And that just, it was just something about that word. When I heard it, it just made me feel wonderful inside. And I didn't know why. And then as time went on, I came to um, understand with maturity in the Lord that what I felt back then was the Holy Spirit moving me and pulling me to the altar. And, and you know what, Shari, worked, you know what, the there's a lot of people who will say, you know, the, God loves you. And it's like it goes in one ear and goes out the other because it's like the, the concept is I can only be loved if I'm lovable. I can only be loved if I measure up to some standard, you know, if I live right or I get rid of this or that or the other thing, then then I can be loved. And what you were experiencing right there was, no, wait, he's com- while you were yet sinners, Christ died. You know, he, he did the ultimate loving act for you and me while we were still sinners before we ever had, before I was born, before we could respond to him. So I'm so glad that you told that story because there's somebody who's been holding back because they've been trying to earn it. And you can't. You can't be totally righteous unless you allow God to give you what Jesus wants to give you, his righteousness, his love, his mercy. 
I hope that penetrates your heart. Char, thank you. I want to go to Jane before we end here. We've just got a couple of minutes, Jane, so tell me why you called. Okay, very briefly, I've never really told this story before. It happened in the 1980s. Um, I was married very young, and my husband claimed to be a Christian, but as time went on, he became an alcoholic and involved in the drug issues. He eventually left me with two little girls, and I had been saved at the age of 12 and was involved in church. But it was getting harder and harder, and I just didn't think I could do it. So this one day, I put my little girls at home with a a caretaker, jumped in my car, went down the highway, and fully intended to wreck my car and commit suicide. And I'm driving, driving, deciding where to do this, whatever. And all of a sudden, there was this giant billboard, and it said, Jesus loves you this much. And it showed Jesus with his arms outstretched. And it's like he reached down and grabbed a hold of me, and I just couldn't do it. So I went home. So that at that point, he literally spared my physical life. The next day was a weekend, and I was supposed to go to church with my friend in Akron to see Warren Wiersbe. Um, I can't remember what church in, in downtown Akron. And I said, no, I'm, I'm not going. I just can't do it. And she said, yes, you can get in this car. Her name was Ginger. And for the next six months to a year, she refused to let me even be by myself. She would take me to church. She would encourage me to church. And from that point on, I never looked back. And those little girls have grown up and raised families, and they're both raising good kids in in the church. Uh. And the Lord has hung on to me all those years. But when I look back at what I could have ended, and he just didn't let me. So he is very so the real, billboard he won't let go of you. Tell me the billboard again. What did the billboard say? It, it was a giant picture. It was on a, a highway in Akron. It was a giant billboard with um, Jesus on the cross with his arms outstretched and it said, he loves you this much. Wow. It's like, wow. And I knew that, but when I saw that, it's like, well, I can't do this now. <laughs> so I turned around and went home, but I was still very depressed. But in the, with Jesus with skin on was my friend Ginger, who then, because yes. that weekend, we went to see Warren Wiersbe, and from then on out, I never looked back. I just kept going, Thank and God. it wasn't easy. Thank God for Ginger. Um, thank, you know, that's a great way to end the program today, Jane. Thank you so much for telling that story because I want you to hear the hope in, in Jane's voice today. And the hope is because of Jesus. I remember seeing the same kind of thing. How much do, do you love me? Jesus said, how much do you think I love you? And he stretched out his arms and died or something along those lines. That's how much he loves you. But you need ginger. You need a ginger to bring you that message and then to stay with you and walk with you. Do you want to be like ginger? Do you want to be that ambassador for Jesus that walks with somebody through some really hard times? And Char said, my life has been loaded with storms. This is not all cotton candy and bonbons after after you come to Jesus. There's some hard stuff, but he's walking with you. And others are walking right there uh, along with you as well. Hey, thanks for calling, for your encouragement today. I see some stories uh, who, that have been emailed and on Facebook as well. God bless you, friend. Have a great weekend and come on back Monday for Chris Fabry Live, a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.